10 o'clock at the capital uh, region. Welcome back to the big program. What was that, Duke? That was some kind of a... I was drinking in L.A. by uh, Brand Van 3000. Figured it would be fitting with uh, Paul joining us oh, from yeah. Los Angeles. Okay, well, there you go. I mean, that's a, I, I'm still back on the Keith Whitley uh, train here, man. So, I mean, that's a little new age for me. Uh, text line at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. 401 1440 Just wanted a, a couple... Uh, text that came in another follow-up from Okanagan Doug uh, if anyone is coming here to watch the young stars fly in and stay in Penticton the route around that slide on highway is an extra three hours from West Kelowna so uh, good to know if uh, and I mean we're going to probably be continuing to follow that story as the week uh, progresses uh, tomato soup uh, sends in a text to uh, 833-401-1440. I think the waivers will spell the end of Sam Gagne, Brandon Sutter. Raphael Lavoie has to clear, and I don't think he will if the Oilers send him down. Thoughts? Uh, for sure. That's the key that we were talking about uh, with Stephen Ellis uh, from Daily Faceoff. That's the situation that Lavoie is in. He decided to take that QO qualifying offer, uh, so that makes him eligible to uh, be picked up if he sent, gets sent down to, to Bakersfield again. So there are many teams that are, will be very interested in a guy like that, big body, six foot three, six foot four, uh, French Canadian kid. So you know where Montreal would be picking in a waiver draft selection. It would be a no brainer for Montreal to, uh, to, uh, pick him up. So you can expect in preseason that Raphael Lavoie will get every chance, every possible look. He will play a lot of exhibition games uh, for him to showcase what he can do in order to kind of stick around here and uh, be, you know, one of the bottom three forwards and maybe see if he can improve on what his his career has done for him so far. All right, just after uh, 10 o'clock, let's bring in Paul Sir from formerly, I I keep wanting to saying basketball, Alberta, but that tenure is done, Paul. That ended at the end of August. Is that correct? It did. Uh, August 31st was my my, uh, last day. And uh, I'm down in Los Angeles right now, taking a few, a couple of weeks of, just hanging out by a tennis court right now. Oh. So uh, go, going into it with a little bit of style. Now, <laughs> I have to tell you, though, your musical choice isn't my exact style of uh, style of music I listen to, Kevin, but uh, it's a good start. Um, how many years were you with basketball, Alberta, Paul? Uh, Fifteen and a half. Fifteen and a half. It felt longer for me, to be honest with you. Did it feel, yeah. <laughs> did it feel longer for you? <laughs> It, well, it, it was a long time. I was on the board of directors before that, and uh, along with all the coaching I did. And, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't just Basketball Alberta that I was involved with, whether it was the old IBL and uh, the Edmonton uh, Energy and uh, coaching at Concordia, along with 3X3. There was a lot more than, uh, you know, than, than Basketball Alberta, but mm-hmm. it was uh, – it was a real privilege to be able to work in the sport I love and uh, to have the opportunity to to try to make a difference and uh, try to help grow the sport. And uh, the sport's thriving. It's exciting to see where things are going as uh, what we're going to talk about this morning with mm-hmm. the success of Canada at the World Cup. That's indicative of the, the growth of the sport in terms of both participation and uh the quality on the world stage. You know, just before we get to the Canada-USA game, as we are speaking with Paul Sir, uh, basketball insider, you kind of put me on to a young young girl from Raymond. 
Uh, Delaney Gibb, who is probably one of the best young female basketball players to come out of our province in a long, long time, maybe. We'll see if ever. But can you just kind of touch on her story? She's still got another year left of grade 12 of high school ball, but uh, I remember you put me on to her when they came up for the the, uh, provincial championship uh, this past spring. So just touch on Delaney Gibb and where she is as a player and where she can go. I think Delaney's the best female basketball player from the province since the Plouffe sisters. Hmm. Uh, she's she's just uh, last summer she um, or, or the, w- within the last couple of months she was playing for one of the national teams, and I'm sorry I forget exactly which one. I think, I think it was under end- eighteen. Under eighteen, yeah, wasn't getting a lot of playing time, for, and really this was the first time in her career that she wasn't, and the team was was playing okay. But then when they started playing her more, they they just automatically became better. Like Delaney is high octane. He has that extra sense for the game that you just can't teach. And uh, she she just finds ways to score. She can shoot the ball. She's a great passer. She mixes it up on defense. She's very athletic. Um, her father, Alan Gibb, was a great player for Raymond High School back in the 80s. And... Uh, you know he's he's done a, a lot of things with and for Delaney to get her experiences down south of the border, and Delaney as a you know going into grade twelve is committed to BYU. Uh, she's uh, with the in the LDS Church, so for her it's a dream come true, and I have no doubt she's going to have a great career at uh, at the Division One level. And my prediction would be I would not be shocked to see her in the WNBA one day. She's just that good. Wow, yeah, for sure. I'm going to BYU, right? Yes, going to BYU. Going to BYU next year. All right, Paul Sears, our guest, a basketball insider. So Canada, USA, bronze medal. First ever uh, medal for Canada at um, a World Cup. What did you make of the run and how it ended? It was a great step forward for Canada. I think it's, it's one of those breakthrough moments in a program's history where there has been all of this potential that has been, I think, focused on for many, many years, Kevin, where people keep waiting for Canada to break through and to actually have have success when it counted most. And we've had some close calls and disappointments along the way. But this is the breakthrough year. And uh, even though they didn't get to the gold medal game, Serbia had their number uh, the night that they played. They played not not the best USA team that we've ever seen, but a very good USA team loaded with NBA talent and in a shootout uh, beat them in overtime after uh, one of the mm-hmm. most miraculous <laughs> shots at the buzzer descended in overtime I've ever seen. Uh, but, uh, you know, for the U.S., uh, being down four with like one second to go and finding a way to tie it up. But uh, Canada in, dominated in the overtime. And I think what we saw was the emergence of Shea Gilgus Alexander on the international stage as one of the elite players in the world, of course. And then Devin Brooks uh, was just magnificent in the USA game with 39 points. And people most often think of him as the uh, the defensive stopper, but uh, he was player of the year in the Pac-12, yeah. and he, he could score. And he had, he had one of those special nights. So big breakthrough for Canada. Big step forward for the men's programs, and uh, 
I think bodes well setting up setting the stage for next year in the 2024 Olympics in Paris. Yeah, Dylan Brooks with uh, 39 points that broke a, a single game scoring record for uh, a Canadian most points in a FIBA World Cup. Uh, beating uh, Carl Ridsmark in 1954. Did you play with Carl anywhere? <laughs> nice shot. Ah. Nice shot. Uh, that was the year I was born, so <laughs> there is a correlation there. Oh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but he he's come a long way, too. You mentioned it. Dylan Brooks with 39, and, you know, he wasn't um, – at the start of the tournament, he basically wasn't in favor with a lot of maybe Canadian fans, but he sure turned it up when it mattered most. Well, he did, and 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 I think too that Dylan he's he goes outside of what I would say is the the norm of the Canadian basketball player in terms of how people perceive how Canadians compete. Like he, you know, he he got he got in a lot of uh, a lot of hot water in the playoffs because of the way he was uh, trash talking with LeBron James. Like he, he's he's a tough-minded, highly competitive guy who really digs in and gets after it, and I think uh, that was demonstrated on the defensive end throughout the tournament. But then he turned it up in a big way when they needed it the most in the bronze medal game on the offensive end as well. Let's break away and step up uh, and talk a little three x three now, uh, Paul. So it's a busy you and you mentioned the Plouffe sisters uh, off the top when talking about Delaney Gibb. Um, so it's a 3x3 tournament coming up. Uh, it's this weekend in Mon- Mongolia? That's right. Yeah, it's the uh, world final for the women's, uh, for the women's series. Mm-hmm. And Canada goes in to that as the clear, clear-cut favorite. I mean, they've won everything. At the beginning of the year when they were starting to get back into playing together, they had a couple of third-place, fourth-place finishes in tournaments. But they've been on a streak now where I believe they've won six out of the last seven tournaments that they played in. And the one that they didn't win, the Plouffe sisters weren't even playing in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michelle, Michelle's the best player in the world in 3x3 on the women's side, and Catherine would be second or third. Uh, they're just, you know, six foot four, elite in every respect in the way they can shoot, they can pass, they defend, they rebound. They're, they're the most complete players in the 3x3 world. And I think uh, put Canada in such a unique position. And Edmontonians and Albertans should be so proud yeah. of, uh, of, what, of what these women do. And uh, with Paige Crozen and, uh, I'm a, and uh, Casey Bosch, also two Albertans, uh, leading the charge. Alberta you know, is at, at center stage in 3x3 when they, when they head into Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia this weekend. Paul Sears, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. And, Paul, I've had the luxury of covering Michelle and Catherine for many years since they started at, at Harry Ainley. But after they went to the national team and then uh, moved to 3x3, the transition almost seemed seamless for them. Why do you think that was? They're just so good, Kevin. And I think that that really is what distinguishes them. They... Uh, they they were able to translate their five on five game into into three x three, and it really is a very different basketball game. Uh, but their conditioning is a big part of it. Uh, they both really take care of themselves and really push themselves so that they're in shape. And even as as, as it's a different kind of condition, it's more like hockey, really, because your shifts are so 
intense. You can't coast or glide in 3x3 like you can mm-hmm. at times in 5-on-5. Five five. So they were able to handle the conditioning part of it. And then uh, they've turned it around uh, with their, their, their various skill sets. The way that, Like I mentioned, they can pass, defend, rebound. They can do it all. So you really have two elite five-on-five Olympians transferring their skills into 3x3 and raising the bar of the whole game globally. So, uh, like I said, it just comes down to the fact they're just the best players in the world in this particular sport. Yeah, we've got Paul Sir, basketball insider, to talk all things basketball this morning on the Kevin Carrier Show. Um, what are the what's the process for qualification for the Olympics next year regarding the women's side of FIBA three x three? Well, most likely, what's going to be what's going to be the outcome, even if they win the world uh, the world championship. I don't believe that will qualify them for the Olympics, and that really sounds absurd. Mm-hmm. But there's there's factors of how your team finishes, how your players are ranked globally, but then where your nation ranks as well, and where Canada is still trying to catch up to countries like Germany, like the Netherlands, uh, like Mongolia, like China, uh, is that we do not have a lot of women playing 3x3. And you need to build up national ranking points based on not just finishes in tournaments, but by number of athletes participating. So it's a real long shot for Canada to qualify for the Olympics this year. Uh, But next year, in 2024, they will have three opportunities to qualify. There are three different qualifying uh, uh, tournaments that they can participate in. So I think uh, we all feel very confident that they're going to to be able to qualify for the Olympics and and head into their one of the uh, heavy favorites. Yeah. Or, uh, or meddling. Yeah, they'll they'll qualify for sure, and I, I think that as you said it, wh- how what other countries would be favored? I think uh, to medal next year. France is very good. Uh, Germany's good. Uh, the Netherlands just won the Euro Cup. Uh, they're getting better all the time. China's very good, very physical. Uh, there was an outstanding final between uh, China and Can- and uh, Team Canada at the Edmonton three x three event recently. Uh, just outstanding. China, China's very, very tough. Uh, so I would say those would be the top five that you would have to look at. Spain's good, getting better. Uh, but France is the defending gold medalist. They're going to be on home, uh, you know, home court advantage in Paris. Uh, they put a lot of resources into their program. So, uh, you know, it's it's certainly not a gimme for the but they'll have a whole year to continue preparing, and I think they'll go into there and they'll be very, very well positioned to be successful. For sure, Paul Sirs, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports fourteen forty. Paul, I think the last time I saw you in person was the men's three x three tournament down in Ice District. Um, how would you grade that as a success to host an event of that magnitude here in Edmonton? I think we showed really, really well, Kevin. Uh, globally, the feedback we had from athletes was uh, very, very, very positive. They said it's among the best events that they've ever attended in the world. Uh, I think the, the footprint down in the fan park this year uh, was 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 unique. We brought in the large canopy that they 
uh, feature for all of the 3x3 events, which creates a real nice uh, arena atmosphere for everybody uh, who who's there. Uh, we had uh, we had eight going with the hundred local teams playing. We had entertainment. It really was a festival, a 3x3 festival mm-hmm. that we have all intentions of expanding on and building on as we move forward. Our our vision is to turn this into a very, very large uh, event along the lines of, like our, our aspirations are along the lines of what they do in Spokane, Washington, mm-hmm. that over the next three to five years, we can get hundreds and hundreds and maybe over a thousand teams of athletes playing along with having the FIBA 3X3 event going on. So, you know, we're very ambitious and uh, real excited about it because we think it's a great way to showcase the sport, get youth involved, build around Olympians, and create something totally unique to Edmonton. What was that called? That was Hoopfest in Spokane, right? Yeah, Hoopfest in Spokane. They At their peak before COVID, they had 6,400 <laughs> 3x3 teams playing. Oh, man. Why, why do you think 3x3 has just, you know, it's jumped off the page worldwide into a sense that, you know, some people enjoy watching it more than basket, normal basketball, five on five. Why is that? It's fast paced, it's different, and it's easier for the non-basketball five on five fan to understand because everything is so quick uh, and the movement is so fast that, and the games are short. They're like, uh, they're like 10 minutes, you know, they're 10 minutes long and, uh, and you know what you have is uh, what you have is the uh, opportunity for folks that really aren't into basketball to be able to to sit down and enjoy a game that that that's easy that flows real quickly and then you're right on to the next game or there's entertainment in between. Mm-hmm. So uh, it and, and it's a real easy game to play. Like for young people, it's it's more fun I think for youth than five on five because everybody gets to dribble, pass, and shoot. And uh, and you're you're you don't have the full court coverage that you have to have, so it just keeps it real tight and real concise, Kevin. And uh, it makes it a lot of fun for both participants and spectators. Is it almost like it takes it back to the playground? Is that fair? Very much so. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I think that's kind of the design of three x three. Like anybody who's played basketball. Uh, played three-on-three. Anybody who coaches basketball uses three-on-three drills as a way to teach the game effectively. So three-on-three, you know, coming out, it's just like beach volleyball. Coming out of it is just, it really makes, it it just really makes it an easy transition for people to get involved in the game. Basketball insider Paul Sear is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Um, Let's transition into the Edmonton Stingers after a couple of uh, CEBL championships. Um, the ownership sort of changed, I guess, from league-wide to city. Um, but then this last week, uh, it was announced uh, that Reed Clark is parting ways with the Stingers. What can you tell us about that um, move with Reed Clark and the organization, where it's at and where it's moving forward? Well, I, I really don't have any inside information on why Reed left. I, I, I would just say that Reed's leadership over the two years he was with the Stingers was outstanding. Uh, in particular, this last year, the way he was able to motivate uh, and activate in the community, getting out with their 
their fresh nets program uh, where they put up hundreds and hundreds of nets at outdoor basketball courts around the community. Uh, They ran clinics, camps. They really engaged uh, at the grassroots level, Kevin. And uh, Reed really did a wonderful job of uh, bringing the community into the sport. And six out of the ten home games were sellouts this Mm -hmm. year, where previously uh, I, I don't think we really had a true sellout, even for the championship game uh, when the Stingers won the championship back in, I think it was 2020 or 2021 rather with uh, last year's Xavier Moon was with us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so I I really, I really don't know what happened, but as we know, uh, when you have ownership, it's, it's their money and their vision. And so perhaps there was just, it would be safe to say that maybe their vision and Reed's vision didn't correlate but uh, I think last year the, the Stingers had a lot of injuries uh, that affected their play on the court. They had some good uh, they had some good stretches. Uh, Jordan Baker transitioned from you know his highly successful uh, playing career into being a head coach, which is no small feat. And uh, I think going forward with Jordan as the head coach, uh, with Steve Sir as the mm-hmm. general manager, I think it bodes well for them. And then. Hopefully in the front office, Stinger's ownership will be able to replace uh, an outstanding person like Reed with someone else who's outstanding and continue this community engagement and continue building the CEBL into the National League that uh, we hope will be successful for, for a long, long time. Can you see, I mean, you mentioned it, six out of ten sellouts. I don't, I think that the, the, the growth is there, the buzz is there. The product is there. I mean, I, I'd be stunned if this didn't continue growing. Is there anything that you can put your finger on that needs to happen moving forward that you'd like to maybe see? Or, I mean, everyone loves championships, and they did win the back-to-back to start, uh, you know, the CEBL. But as you mentioned, injuries and things like that. So moving forward, um, the on-court product is great. The in-house product is great. I think it's just a matter of, keeping it going how do you how do you see things here moving forward well i think leagues have to evolve and uh the business plan for the uh for the cebl is unique in that it's a summer league it's it's 20 games which isn't a lot of games for a national league so i know one of the common uh questions is are we going to have more games and uh, get to like a 24 to 30 game season. But the challenge that this business plan has is that it has to fit in between other league seasons Mm -hmm. because most of these players play overseas or in the case of the university players, they have their university seasons. So it's not as easy as just expanding the season. Uh, You see it a lot in the CEBL where players are coming in at various times during the season because they may be playing in Greece or Spain or somewhere where uh, the season overlaps with the CEBL season. So I think, you know, maintaining a sense of consistency will be uh, their, their biggest challenge. And then the ongoing efforts that they're going to make with the marketing of the, the marketing of the league, uh, building, uh, building personalities and heroes up. Like I, I refer to Xavier moon. I mean, we had something really special, He's on a two-way contract with the Clippers now, and 
I think a lot of people feel this might be his breakthrough season at the NBA level. Uh, So we've really, you know, we've got to keep drawing in good talent, keep putting entertaining uh, teams on the floor. Uh, Winning solves a lot of issues, like you said, uh, Kevin. Uh, But I think the league just has to maintain a real steadiness about it. And now that they're introducing private ownership, and you know this from professional sports, when you get private owners involved, uh, they really can have their own ideas on what a league needs to be successful. So the CEBL management is going to have to navigate that as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, maybe some uh, choppy waters ahead a little bit, but uh, hey, the product's there. Atmosphere's great, and it's fun to go to the game. So, hey, Paul, thanks for doing this. Uh, so toes in the sand today? Or what's uh, what's on the go in L.A.? little tennis, little some toes in the sand, and uh, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe a bit later... Uh, some good LA food. So, uh, <laughs> what, what are you going to be working on your forehand or backhand? Oh, the whole thing needs a complete revamp. So uh, it's a it's a it's a complete over. Every day is an overhaul, Kevin. So basically, we'll be if we had a camera out there, it'd be like watching Novak Djokovic yesterday, or what? It'd be pretty similar. Pretty similar. <laughs> That's the first thing you would think of. <laughs> hey, Paul, thanks for this. We appreciate your insight, and we'll be talking to you in the future. Have fun in Look LA. Forward to it, Kevin. Thank All right, you. that's basketball insider Paul Sir from Tinseltown, LA. Man, it'd be nice to be down there and play a little tennis. And you know, as he said, he'll be taking in a little bit of the LA. I could just see Paul down in LA live. It's right, right by this well, the uh, the old Staples Center. What's it called now? The uh, one of the computer com- What's it called now in LA again? I forget. Crypto. Crypto. dot com. Yeah. So uh, it was the old Staples Center. There's a kind of a neat area down there. It was down there for the draft and. Uh, 2010, the Taylor Hall draft. Boy, 13 years ago. Um, text line open, one 401 1440 We're going to get a whole pile of them coming in. Uh, we'll talk a little more NFL with the Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas, uh, after the break when we come on, back on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back uh, to the big program. What's that one, Duke? I, I mean, you're going from uh, country to new age to... Big Paul down in L.A. What was the, the the Paul one was? What was that one again? In that LA? was drinking in L.A. Okay, for and Paul, and this was I, uh, Blinding Lights by the Weekend, which of course more popularly samples um, "Aha" with "Take on Me." That's the opening beat there. So. Aha, take on. That's what I thought it was at the yeah. start. That's that's from the '80s. See, that's my genre, if you want to call it that. Uh, text line one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Just a couple comments uh, regarding the stingers. Uh, no name on this one. Please put it on. Well, then we can say your name. But my granddaughter is into basketball, uh, and her family is so impressed with the stingers. And now, how great of a team that they are! They can't wait until the league starts up again. Yeah, I mean, if you had a chance to go down to the. Expo Center. They started it out as the Hive, and then they changed it to the Hangar, Flair Airlines Hangar. I mean, the atmosphere in there is incredible. There's, it's intimate. Um, you can get, you know, five thousand fans in there, and it feels like you're on top of the court. They've got other, you know, little areas around like tables and and things like that. The basketball's fast. I mean. Paul Sir mentioned Xavier Moon. I mean, he was here for a couple of years. He was phenomenal. You know, he was the MVP of the league. Jordan Baker was the top Canadian. I mean, the talent is there. These guys come from all over. Um, And the tough part, the tricky part about 
trying to squeeze that in is the fact that, as Paul said, you know, there are other leagues going on in Europe. There's other leagues going on all over. Uh, Ahur Uguak, who came to the Stingers from Europe, was, you know, he wasn't there at the start. I mean, he kind of got there right when the season started because he was just finishing up his season in uh, in Europe. So um, it's tough for these guys to kind of come over because it's it's a condensed schedule, but we'll see what they can do. It's a league that started out, you know, with really, you know, the little league that could. And it went from there to being where this league is moving forward to being, you know, the games are on TV now. They're on TSN. They're, they're, uh, you're getting 8,000, I think it was 9,200 in Winnipeg for a Seabears game. So, I mean, the ability is there for uh, this league to continue to grow and uh, things like that. Uh, we wanted to mention again that uh, initiative that Sports 1440 is doing because we've got a couple texts coming in uh, to our text line at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty with our bike drive. It's the first annual so we're partnering up here at 1440, Sports 1440 with um, the uh, Sports Central uh, to try to get a 1,000 bikes. That's the goal. Newly, new and gently used bikes, uh, all sizes we're looking for, but most in common, the 24 and 20-inch 20 wheel bikes uh, for kids 6 to 12. So they don't have to be fully functional. There's an amazing staff at Sports Central. These guys come in, they volunteer their time. They volunteer their time all winter, put these bikes together. And, you know, the spokes needs tightening. You got to put a new chain on. You got to, you know, fix the brakes. You got to do whatever you got to do. So we're going to be collecting these bikes for the month of September. Uh, four locations every Saturday. So just drop them off at these locations, United Sports and Cycle at uh, Gateway Boulevard. You know where it is. You've seen the Stanley Cup there. Uh, Kelly Hodgson and crew, solid, solid, solid. Revolution Cycle and Stony Plain Road and 151st. Bonnie Dune Shopping Center on 82nd Avenue. Avenue and Londonderry Mall and 137th. So basically, anytime after 10, some won't be accepting till about three or so, some places. But just check out our website, sports1440.ca. You can surf around and check out the Sports Central bike drive. We're uh, happy to get that going. And uh, we're going to have Janet Tomnick on from Sports Central to talk a little bit about that tomorrow. Uh, the Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas, uh, getting fired up for 11 o'clock. Fantasy Frenzy with. Former, former Ross Shep Thunderbird wide receiver, Connor Halley. We're going to get his stats from the 2014 season, I think it was, his senior year. Is that about right? No. What For are, Connor? Yeah. Uh, I think it was a little bit earlier than that. 2010, 2010 Connor season? gives off uh, this vibe of being such a young, spry little punk, okay, but let's he's, go. A, he's more seasoned than I think people are aware. Okay, let's go to the 2010 senior season. I mean, it's going to be just blotted all over the Ross Shep Thunderbird yearbook and season records. You know, I'm going probably, yeah, it's like they do, what, an eight-game schedule? I'll go, uh, let's see, uh, 30 catches, 290 yards, three touchdowns as a senior. How's that sound? I, I, that's a pretty good <laughs> stat line, I think, for, for a guy where uh, a team where I'm sure, you know, at the high school level, lots of players cycling in and out, like you're not playing every down, I don't think. Uh, once again, forgive my uh, ignorance on the topic, but I think that's a pretty decent stat line for, yeah. a, for a high school football player. Two-way Holly. I mean, that's, that's right. another nickname. I mean... I mean, we're going to be getting into this for a long time until football season's over. And you know what? We actually we had a lot of comments last Friday when we had um, 
We had Brian Buczynski. He's uh, still coaching at Roshep. And then we had Gordon Dick from Cougar Paint and Collision. What an initiative between those two um, where they've come and brought the helmets in. They call them dead helmets. They can't use them anymore. They run their life cycle. They bring the helmets into Cougar Paint and Collision. They paint them up, they deckle them up, and they get them all set, and they give them to the seniors at Ross Shep uh, to thank them for their um, contribution for their couple years, three years, whatever they play in uh, high school football. But it's a way of kind of recognizing those kids for sure. Um, so you guys got things rocking and rolling for Fantasy Frenzy coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people fired up about where their fantasy football team is after day one. But you know what? It's the same thing in fantasy. The only parallel that you can draw to real football, it's one game. It's the start. Don't get too carried away. Don't go and drop whoever your player is that didn't contribute, T. Higgins. Don't drop anyone and go to the waiver wire and blow your fab. You got to just be patient. So what advice would you be giving to our listeners on, I guess, after week one, Duke? Well, I think you hit it perfectly. Patience. And, and when we had um, our, our friend from Buffalo on earlier this morning as well, uh, uh, John Warrow, like it's everybody loves to overreact after week one. And I mean, you see the, the Bengals get beat up by the Browns and, and Joe Burrow has not done well against the Cleveland Browns in virtually the entirety of his career. I think he's yet to win in Cleveland uh, as the road starting quarterback. So, I mean, that stat line's disappointing and uh, nobody's going to be thinking about dropping Joe Burrow by any stretch, but I, I think you can look at this as pretty much a, a brush off and the Bengals, I would think will be right back to their uh, potent offensive ways again next week and, and moving forward. So it, it's just like, that's just one example of it. You can find them across the board uh, of teams where, yeah, you might've been left a little disappointed, a little sour taste in your mouth, but that's fantasy sports for you. That's always how it is. And, and not overreacting and kind of having the savvy to, you know, hold strong that can separate uh, the top tier teams and managers from some of the bottom ones. Sometimes I wanted to go over a couple of uh, statistics put together by our NFL stats guru, Brad Slater slats, as we call them around here. And just regarding the rookie quarterback, some interesting stats, um, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Anthony Richardson. So they all made their first career starts to kick off the weekend. And there were five rookie quarterbacks in 2012 and three in 2021. Uh, the only season since 1970, which at least three quarterbacks started in week one. Um, Stroud was, I guess, probably the best out of the, well, you know, Richardson was okay too, I guess. Uh, Bryce Young would be third for sure. Uh, Richardson was okay, but, you know, I mean, Stroud, you know, he looked okay as well. Um, Richardson is the youngest player in the Super Bowl era to record both a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown in the same game. Did you know that? Fifth rookie quarterback since 1970 to do that in week one. Joining Deshaun Kaiser, Archie Manning, both in, oh, Archie Manning, 1971, Cam Newton, then again, Chris Winkie in 2001. Um, the ceiling for these guys is obviously high. We, we know that. and But they're getting thrown into the deep end right off the hop. Some guys can handle it. Some guys can't. Some One of these guys is going to turn into Sam Darnold. We know that. One of these guys is going to turn into 
a higher echelon quarterback or someone that can you can count on fantasy wise or more importantly you can count on as your team progresses forward so um, interesting scenario with all the rookie quarterbacks text line one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. 401 any one of those rookie quarterbacks did they kind of catch your fancy duke uh, well, as a Texans fan, I was keeping a particularly yep. close eye on C.J. Stroud, and you mentioned a few fun facts. C.J. Stroud, the second quarterback in NFL history to uh, his first NFL pass completed to himself. Yes, yeah. Deflected by joining Brett, Brett Favre in that regard. So uh, wow. that was a bit of an odd way to start the day, and, you know, the rest of the afternoon did not go so well for C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans in terms of uh, scoring points and moving the ball. They they had their struggles. But, yeah, Richardson, I think, is a guy that you can be excited about, and, and, Connor, have I, and Connor and I have talked about it, you know, the, the dual threat, the aggressive runner, and we saw him take a couple big shots, so he's going to have to learn to protect himself a little bit better, I think, if he wants to stay on the field and not getting placed on the the injured reserve or anything but all three of them uh, have different elements to their game that make them exciting whether it be Bryce Young's intelligence Mm -hmm. CJ Stroud's arm Anthony Richardson's uh, athleticism all three of them like you said high ceilings it's just a matter of uh, which of them can get there the quickest because the reason you get drafted to uh, uh, as a high quarterback it usually means the team you're going to isn't very good so a lot of growing pains more often than not. Too bad you don't get a reception point in PPR for the Brace Young, right? <laughs> yeah, right? exactly right. Uh, too bad. So uh, we're going to be uh, wrapping things up uh, right after the break. We'll send things to the top of the hour where the Duke and Connor Halley will have uh, Fantasy Frenzy. At noon, it will be the lowdown with low tide. Jason Greger, 2 o'clock to 6 to wrap things up on Sports 1440. This is the Kevin Carey Show. We're back to wrap it up after the break. Oh, there's Keith Whitley. Uh, the Duke comes through. Uh, if you get a chance, pick up the Kentucky Bluebird. Um, Keith Whitley, uh, oh, man, sweet voice for sure. Um, all right, this uh, text comes in, 833-401-1440. Uh, this comes from Framer Johnny. Hey, Kevin, been listening since uh, uh, last Tuesday and really loving the format. Really feels like a local Edmonton sports show instead of the highbrow led TSN format. Keep it going. That comes from Framer Johnny. Appreciate it. We're just trying to be as local as we can, um, be as honest as we can, transparent. We want to um, be entrenched in the community. Um, as we move forward, we're going to be doing tons of local initiatives. Uh, we talked about the one with the bike uh, bike run and the, the collecting the bikes for uh, Sports Central. Jason Greger is going to be back in, you know, at Christmas time with the month of giving. Uh, we're going to tie things in um, with uh, this show. We'll be doing things even moving on to next year with the uh, uh, Kevin Carey Celebrity Golf Tournament for Easter Seals uh, next year. Uh, we'll be having that bigger and better. We've done 1.9 million um, in the last 20 years uh, raising money for kids with disabilities. So that's what we're all about. And I think that's why a lot of people want to kind of uh, listen to us. They want to feel uh, a part of that Um uh, so thanks for listening and thanks for your comments for sure. Uh, 833-401-1440. It's 1042 in the capital region looking at a high of 26. Uh, this one comes in from, um, uh, don't have a name on it. Please send it though. It says, if the Blue Jays can take three out of the next four games against the Rangers here, would you feel safe saying they get a wild card spot? Well, the good thing about the Blue Jays too right now is the fact that they've moved ahead into position number two in uh, the wild card. They've got a record of 80 and 63. So uh, Seattle uh, has stumbled a little bit, I guess. Uh, Mariners lost three in a row. 
Jays are eight and ten in, in their last uh, ten games, eight and two in their last ten on a three-game winning streak. Uh, but they had a weak schedule. They went into Colorado, went into Oakland, uh, back to Kansas City. So they start with uh, Texas tonight. Uh, so Seattle is uh, is a game back in the wild card standings. Texas is a half game back of Seattle in the wild card standings. So you know it's a good point. If if you know what you can do is you can push Texas out of the picture here a little bit it's four teams basically fighting for the three for well three teams fighting for two spots tampa bay's in the wild card i mean if unless tampa bay goes on a run and can win the american league east but baltimore still the class of the division for sure um toronto tonight um with texas coming in texas starters have just been abysmal lately they haven't been able to get anything done with their starting pitching they're um i think we're at 20 in into the 20s where a starting pitcher has not been able to uh record a win as far as the texas rangers go uh dunning goes for toronto today uh not exactly one of their top starters uh for sure uh the jays uh who are the jays countering with today the hound dog, Chris oh, Bassett. On Chris the Bassett, the hound dog goes for, I mean, and he's been great. So um, Bassett versus Dunning, I can see that uh, obviously tilting in the Jays' favor. Um, do you, What do you think of that Texter's uh, question, uh, Duke? I mean, if you were to win three out of four, that pushes Texas further down the pile in the wild card. But, I mean, Seattle's still there. And, I mean, you just got to win every series. You can't lose a series at this point in the season. Yeah, and I, you mentioned the the weakness of the the Jays schedule over the past few weeks, and it, the fans have been waiting for it all season. The, at the start of the year, when the Rays went on that incredible thirteen and zero run to start the season, that was basically against the same type of schedule the Jays have been against here over the past couple of weeks. So, would have we liked to see them sweep maybe those series against Oakland or, or Colorado? Sure, uh, but making sure you got three three against Kansas City put you in a good spot now here against Texas, where your, your fate's in your hands. If they were to lose uh, or only win two out of four, uh, split it with the Rangers, does that take us out of it by any stretch? But no. But getting three or four, like the Texer said, it makes you feel a lot more comfortable. Um, but you only have to rewind a month and a half when it looked like we were a couple spots uh, comfortably in the wild card race. And then fast forward a few weeks and all of a sudden you're, you're two and a half games back chasing down these AOS teams. So that, baseball is just so hot and cold that uh, it, teams that look like world beaters for, for a week and a half can all of a sudden go on the skids and, and look like they're not even going to make the playoffs. So three or four against Texas would be would be super ideal. Uh, but even just two or four, making sure you get a split and not dropping three or four, uh, I think is the paramount uh, of concern. I think later today I need you to look at my fantasy baseball team too. It's just <laughs> terrible. I don't know what I'm going to do with these guys. Vladimir Guerrero, man. That was a guy in this draft that I'm in was the number one selection. Uh, you know, we have three keepers. So he was the number, and, and you can only keep him for two years. Sorry, two keepers. Or is it? No, three keepers for two years. That's what it is. So he was the number one selection two years ago. Um, now he's he's behind a guy like Itzak Paredes for Tampa. He's just he's not not hitting the ball. He's not no power numbers, no anything. So uh, text coming in from Rockford. Hey Kev, any UFAs out there you'd like to see in town with the orders on a PTO? He says Rockford does. Nolan Patrick would be my pick. Well. There's no question the talent is there. He's young. Uh, he was number two overall draft pick, but he's never been able to stay healthy for a little while, and he's had, you know, concussion problems. He only played a quarter of the season last year with Vegas. Number two overall draft pick out of Brandon. Um, 
was great in 2015 in Brandon. Um, the, then the year after that, he was injured a little bit and only played half the season, but he did score 41 goals uh, his last full season. He has not been able to, to translate it at the NHL level. A lot has to do with injuries. A lot has to do with concussion problems. Can he stay healthy? I, I, I mean... If you're in a general, you can't take a chance. You'd have to restructure or you'd have to structure the deal where it is um, uh, American League hockey, uh, where you, you're you going to go down and prove yourself. I don't think it, he's he's at any point right now where he's in a situation where he can come in and say that he is an NHL player to start the season. I think he's got to prove himself in the minors. He's only 24 years old. So, and just, just uh, coming up 25. So, uh, good text from Rockford. I don't see anyone really touching him until you would look at his bill of health and see exactly where he's at. But um, decent player for sure when he came out. I mean, you're not drafted number two overall in uh, 2017 uh, if you're not a good player. But it just had, it never worked out for him in Philadelphia. And then he went to uh, uh, Golden Knights for Cody Glass. So... Uh, I, I don't know. I, he's a, he's a he's a young young guy still. There's probably uh, some curiosity there with several GMs because players like that ilk don't come along all the time. You're going to be able to get them for absolutely nothing if you want to invest with a little bit of time with them, possibly in the minor league. So, um, text line one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Oh. Uh, sorry, boys. That don't close your eyes is easily Keith Whitley's best song. Um, I think I like "I'm Over You." Have you ever heard that one? "I'm Over You." Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Um, there's another couple other ones that Whitley has. Uh, again, uh, that Kentucky Bluebird CD or what album or whatever you want to call it is is pretty cool. Uh, you, have you got a favorite Whitley one? A fa- favorite song it's hard to argue with uh no stranger to the rain i mean yes. the um the the most popular answer of course is going to be when you say nothing at all and, and that song is just like it just you just close your eyes and listen it sends you into uh, a whole nother yeah. universe of, <laughs> of serenity and in the ballad is you've mentioned several times his voice just like there's something about it even i'm Obviously, he's a great singer. He's he's world famous, a uh, country music star. But there's just, like certain artists just have that extra little thing to it, and I certainly think uh, Whitley falls into that category. But uh, Miami, Miami, another favorite. Oh yeah, well. and that um, was remade by that uh, female country singer. What was her name? I can't remember. It was the oh, wedding Alice, song. Alison Al- Krauss. Alison Krauss. Yes, With, uh, Union Station. I think on that. Yes, one as well. uh, and a lot of you know it's funny. A lot of people thought that they came up with that song when they came out with it, but. Uh, Keith Whitley obviously did it a long time ago. And the other thing, he, one of the things that I liked about Keith Whitley, he could transcend going back. He, he, he loved all the old guys, like the old, old guys. He would hang out with all those guys and, you know, have a few pops. And, uh, you know, he was addicted to alcohol for, you know, and that was probably the, the main reason why he died and, and things like that. But, um, he, he was a guy that was able to kind of bridge that gap to um, guys like Vince Gill and things like that. But he would go back into the old, to the Merle Haggard days and, and uh, you know, back to, the, you know, guys like Johnny Cash and things like that. Maybe it's a little far back, but it was, he, he was 
really nice to listen. All the songs are great by Keith Whitley. So, um, 833-401-1440. So you guys got things ready to rock and roll here at the top of the hour. You and uh, the former Ross Shep T-Bird wide receiver, Connor Halley on Fantasy Frenzy. I'm sure people, again, will be talking about their teams moving forward. Like, did you have anyone on your team that you were like, ah, I didn't have this guy in or I should have had him in or one guy you had in that you didn't want? Well, lots of guys in that I shouldn't have, uh, going all the way back to last Thursday with Kadarius Tony. To anybody that listened to the show last week heard me say all week that I was not very fond of any of the Chiefs wide receivers and on the team as a whole because of that fact, yet despite uh, that, uh, not taking my own advice, I played him nonetheless and, and was rewarded with a, a goose egg virtually. Um, <laughs> but one guy that I that is on my bench in my dynasty league, I've kind of bounced him around a little bit the last few years just as a spare part, Robert Woods, uh, mm-hmm. looking like he might actually have some value again down in Houston. Uh, C.J. Stroud, the rookie quarterback we talked about earlier, really leaned on him. I, I thought he'd use his, his tight end Dalton Schultz a little bit more as his security blanket, but it looked like Robert Woods was that that guy for for C.J. Stroud. And he had a pretty pretty good day considering that the Texans uh, overall offensively were were nothing yeah. to write home about. Robert Woods actually had a decent output. I'll be like Gregor here. I just want to know about my guys. So I didn't <laughs> watch that game. So Nico Collins, I, he was on the bench. He had a good day as yeah. well for the most part, yeah. Once again, it's all relative to the rest of the players on that roster. Like if you're – you have to sometimes have players from bad teams that are going to be very feast or famine. Um, like if C.J. Stroud just feeds Nico Collins – uh, every every first down over the course of a game they lose 31 to, to 13 or something, Nico Collins can still have a good day even if the team stinks, which the Texans do. Mm-hmm. A sociable post uh, this morning uh, from Kadarius Toney uh, because apparently after Thursday when he dropped all the balls, uh, the Giants fans were giving it to him because he's a former Giant. So last night I think Kadarius Toney is uh, getting back to the Giants fans after... New York just got pasted last night, forty to nothing by the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, check that. Sociable, if you so choose to. Uh, text line nine four zero one fourteen forty. That's eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Just creeping up to the top of the hour. Um, so tomorrow on the big program uh, will be our Tuesday guest, and so many comments. Our Tuesday, our co-host, pardon me. Our Tuesday co-host, as will be every Tuesday, is Hockey Hall of Famer Grant Fuhr calling from Coachella Valley. He will dial in from 9 to 11. So if you've got anything on your mind that you want to talk to Grant uh, about tomorrow, uh, please do. Uh, I think our everyone, all the texters that uh, sent messages in last week were really quite uh, happy with all our co-hosts. David Schlemko on Wednesdays, he'll be with us again every Wednesday, 9 to 11. On Thursdays, Ladislav Schmid, and we're going to be doing some w- real neat stuff with Laddie. He was talking about his cooking prowess, baking even. So we're going to do, we're going to talk a little bit about that. I'm sure he's got some... Maybe he'll be coming in with flour all over his, uh, you know, fingers and face uh, from cooking and baking for the kids. And then Eddie Steele on Fridays uh, from seven to nine, and uh, we'll be previewing, of course, the uh, Edmonton Elks taking on the Calgary Stamp, taking on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders after the Calgary Stampeders win uh, on Saturday. Uh, so it's a big game: the Elks and Riders on uh, on 
Friday at uh, in Regina. So, uh, just to thank our uh, guests and co-hosts today, Lorianne Munzer, her first foray in the radio. Thank you, Lorianne. L.A. Munzee, the monster. She will be our host, uh, co-host every Monday, 7 to 9. Chris Jones, two weeks in a row. Chris Jones brought it again. Uh, thanks to the coach and GM for coming here uh, and coming on the radio and talking about a win this time after a loss last week and a split with Calgary in the home and home. Uh, every day, Mark Spector, 8 o'clock, brought to you by Booster Juice, powered by Booster Juice. Uh, Speck will join us every day at 8 o'clock. Our uh, headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter, John Morrow from the Associated Press. Uh, he brought some good stuff uh, regarding the NFL and uh, tonight's Monday Nighter as well. Uh, Stephen Ellis, prospect analysis. Man, this guy did his homework. He knows everything about prospects moving forward uh, and um, all these young guys uh, that they have been scouting, looking at, etc. Uh, moving forward. And then Paul Sir, basketball Alberta, uh, to talk about FIBA and Stingers and 3x3. So, top of the hour, it's Fantasy Frenzy with... The Duke of Delburn, Connor Douglas, and the former Ross Shep Thunderbird wide receiver, Connor Halley. Uh, that's coming up at the top of the hour. First up, uh, sports update with the Duke, Brandon Douglas. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning at 7.